From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good afternoon and welcome to State of the Nation. I'm Brian McLean, broadcasting live for today's News Talk out of Central Texas. I'm joined by Steve Hook, broadcasting live out of New Jersey. Steve, welcome to State of the Nation. Oh, it's good to be back, brother. I want to give a big, uh, big shout out and a big thanks to our cohort uh timothy don't call him tim shay uh he was great you guys were fabulous yesterday but it's good to be back in the uh back in the chair brother good to be with you yeah absolutely glad to have you back and yeah i'll echo that big thanks to timothy shay for sitting in and uh, man i made it through the entire two hours until the very last second and i called him tim at the last moment in the show so i'm sorry about that timbo we love you buddy thanks for being here with us yesterday and be sure and check out the reckoning with timothy shea live right here on today's news talk yeah he double did double duty yesterday he did he did our show and then he went on and did his show and it was all good but that's a wonderful day anyway we got a big yeah. show today hash looking forward to yeah, it. yeah we do we do. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I'm uh, very excited to talk to Dr. Naomi Wolf again. It's been a minute since I've spoken with her. And we're going to talk to uh, Brian Jones again, re-welcoming uh, Brian Jones to the program uh, in that uh, second interview segment for this hour, Senate Minority Leader Brian W. Jones, that is. He's going to talk to us about the California Senate uh, Republicans and their continued fight against utility income-based fixed charges. Yeah. I mean, if that's not socialist, I don't know what is, Steve. Uh, it's it's uh, that's uh, socialist is a nice way of putting it. It's 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 really uh, it's really Marxism one hundred and one California style, um, and it's uh, it's so typical Gavin Newsom, isn't it? Uh, and it's really so typical California Dems. But I am happy to. Uh, speak with the minority leader because apparently he's got 23 Democrats in California, in the California Senate who are going along with him. And we'll uh, chat with him about this insane policy of uh, it's, it's basically income-based billing. I mean, hello. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's absurd. Gee, there's no way you could scam that. Is there? Uh, no, no. It's, so it's I guess absurd. we're, I guess we're beyond the like equity part of just having um affordable power you know what i mean like energy that the citizens of that state and other states that are suffering the same sort of you know tyrannical uh authoritarian power grab you know uh pun intended there this is a power grab for sure steve so yeah we know we should talk to mike netter about this maybe if our producer's listening she can get mike netter on soon i know that mike has a lot to say about this one as well so yeah it's going to be great talking about that steve it's a it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart because i have family members in california that are being terrorized by Pacific Gas and Electric and, you know, Newsom's government, well, he wants to basically be the hand inside that glove. And uh, it's it's bad, you know, it's bad. Power goes off so long sometimes in California that people die, you know, yeah. uh, senior citizens die in their homes. So it's not just talked about. You're right. And it's not just that, uh, Hesh, as you know, now I've, I've visited California California is the ultimate state that you say it's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. And more and more Californians are kind of figuring that out and they're leaving. You're a perfect example of that. Um, 
but it's not just the the rolling brownouts and blackouts that happen in California. It's also the fact that they refuse to do anything about uh, their their forest maintenance. So when these power lines get blown down or get knocked down, uh, they tend to start fires, massive wildfires, which what does the left do? They immediately say, well, there's a sign of global warming. Maybe it's just a sign of piss poor uh, forest management uh, and not cutting down dead kindling that is uh, that is at the feet of all of these massive power lines it's uh it's absurd but i look forward to talking uh to uh to the to the senator about that uh and and getting the bottom getting the bottom line on this new they're calling it a hard work utility tax and i couldn't come up with a better name that's a good one you work hard you pay more (laughs) makes sense yeah they should really let the opposing sides name the bills when they pass these things could we get a bill that allows the opposing side to name the bills when (laughs) the insane leftists uh pass a bill because i think if we put the proper names on them you know uh, like uh the like the california social uh democratic socialist uh wage-based uh you know energy bill or something like that you know like they can yeah that would go a long ways. It's funny how neurolinguistic programming yeah. works like that. It goes both ways. Yeah, let's uh, screw the screw the uh, low and middle income families to pay your power bill. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm I'm sure that I'm sure they'll be talking uh, long and hard about this. And of course, tomorrow Newsom's got a big debate with uh, uh, DeSantis uh, on Fox News, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, not that it really makes much of a difference, but you've got one governor who is an absolute horrible campaign, uh, running a horrible campaign for president, but he's a hell of a good governor in Florida. Uh, and then you've got a horrible, horrible governor that's destroyed his state, but it's running a pretty good campaign for president, given the fact that he would be taking the spot of Biden. So this is a true, this is going to be a true test of uh, the intelligence of the American people. Reagan used to often say, I'm a firm believer in the wisdom of the American public. Well, that was back in the 80s. That was before 24-7 click, like, share network news uh, and uh, and social media uh, propagandizing the public. So we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out tomorrow. Yeah, that's, uh, the, you know, send in the clown cars. I guess this will be interesting. It's, uh, it's a pretty sad state that... Um, it's a pretty sad state of our nation, Steve, that the guy running a unannounced shadow campaign is running a better campaign than the guy that's uh, ostensibly nipping at the heels of Trump from his high heels, although it's a yeah. long it's a long nip, long distance. Nip. Yeah, agreed. I want to make one correction. I said it's tomorrow. It's Thursday night, Thursday okay. night. But yeah, I, I how long do you think it's going to be, uh, Hesh, before they slide Joe out and slide Gavin in, or do you think that Biden's in it for the long haul? I, my personal opinion on that, Steve, it's a great question. Everybody's asking it. My personal opinion is there's a ripcord, there's an eject button. And uh, if they have to pull the ripcord or push the eject button, or, you know, if he falls down uh, the, the stairs on Air Force One and doesn't make it back up, then, you know, they push the button and, and Gavin rolls in or, you know, uh, who knows? But, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been getting worse and worse. I mean, every single public appearance now uh, is just and you know that everybody on 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 
President Biden's staff is just clenching their butt cheeks when he's on stage. They're like, oh, my God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he he always does something. Is he going to fall? Is he going to, you know, is he going to screw things up? Is he going to say some uh, something stupid? And the answer is uh, to both of those questions, usually yes. Probably one of those. (laughs) You know what he made? He may end up deciding to pull up. uh, uh, an LBJ and say, I will not seek, nor will I, uh, you know, nor, nor will I run if I am nominated, who knows, but I just don't know that he even has the cognitive ability to do that. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, that'll be fun to talk about, um, on Thursday or Friday after the, uh, when we can do a hot wash on it. And I'll remind you at TNT radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24 seven on audio and video so follow us on those video channels please and share them around we're online globally no matter what we got you covered on tnt radio connecting the dots painting the bigger picture they always have great conversation today's news talk radio tnt according to a new report from a pair of independent journalists pharmaceutical giant and vaccine maker moderna with the help of a former fbi analyst has been spying on high-profile celebrities who spread quote-unquote anti-vaccine beliefs here with the story joining us now is tnt radio news producer adam clark uh ruckus do you have any anti-vaccine beliefs you would like to share with us when it comes to this story i I thought this was america i thought we were allowed to have dissenting beliefs oh that's right that all changed uh, a few weeks ago back in 2020. uh yeah this is good old moderna uh, you know, I, I believe maybe there's a possibility one of the mainstream outlets who's actually uh, sponsored by Pfizer and not Moderna might actually report this story. But I'm I'm skeptical, actually. But yes, Moderna, they apparently have hired a former FBI agent to compile internal company records about, quote unquote, high risk celebrities, including tennis star Novak Djokovic, tech mogul Elon Musk and actor Russell Brand who have been all publicly critical of vaccine mandates. How dare you? Uh, The Boston-based pharmaceutical company, which marketed one of the first mRNA vaccines against COVID-19 that was distributed to tens of millions of victims, I mean Americans, during the coronavirus pandemic, is said to be employing a team of former law enforcement officials who make up a quote-unquote disinformation department that keeps track of anti-vaccine sentiment. This is crazy. Not surprising, but it is crazy. News of the department's existence and its reports was first revealed by independent journalists Lee Fang and Jack Polson. Um, and I think they did like a, um, a uh, I forget what it's called, team up a collaboration with the outlet unheard.com. So that's one of the places you can find this report. You can also find the report on Lee Fang and Jack Polson's Substack. The department commissioned one report, which was titled Djokovic crowned anti-vaccine hero after U.S. open win. That's according to the journalists. Uh, Djokovic, the Serbian tennis legend who holds the all-time record for Grand Slam title victories, was not allowed to participate in the 2021 and 2022 U.S. Open tournaments tournaments due to his refusal to get the COVID jabs. Um, He won the Grand Slam tournament that was held this past September at Flushing Meadows. That would be his 24th overall. Uh, You mean he didn't die 
like suddenly because he didn't take the vaccine. I'm shocked. Um, according to the report, quote, the optics of Djokovic, whose vaccine opposition barred him from competing in the 2022 U.S. Open, returning to and winning the Moderna sponsored competition bolsters anti-vaccine claims that vaccines and mandates are unnecessary, end quote. You mean the truth? Oh, my. Moderna was concerned about the fact that, quote, vaccine opponents are celebrating, end quote, Djokovic's win, <gasps> which was made all the more troublesome due to the fact that people on social media, quote, mockingly point out that Moderna is an open, I mean, a U.S. open sponsor, end quote. That is kind of funny. The discussion surrounding Djokovic was thus deemed by Moderna to be high risk, according to the report. Now, Musk, the world's richest person by dint of his status as CEO of Tesla, has also been flagged as high risk by Moderna after he posted a video on X questioning whether the COVID vaccine was 100 percent effective. Oh, my. Uh, according to the report, Moderna was concerned that Musk was promoting that pointed to, quote, deception by health authorities and healthcare providers during the pandemic, quote, end quote, which would, quote, lay the groundwork to sow distrust in credible sources on vaccine safety and effectiveness. And uh, similarly, they, they had some stuff to say about Russell Brand and him running his mouth on his platform. What do you gentlemen think about this move on Moderna's part? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I just think it's so funny that the Djokovic came in and won it. And and Moderna is, you know, running ads during the U.S. Open uh, that he so blatantly basically just said, uh, yeah, yeah, pound sand. I'm not taking your damn jab. I'm amazed that not everyone in the uh, ring or court side uh, didn't come down with COVID-19 after his appearance there. But uh, maybe that's just the, uh, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the, the government uh, talking through me. I I, I, I think it's absurd. I th I, I've never, guys, I have never in my life seen big pharma take it in the neck as hard as they have these last three years. It is a, uh, uh, Hesher, you like to use the term a self-licking ice cream cone. This is a, this is a industry that looks for rakes to step on and then steps on them repeatedly. And, um, of course, they've got billions of dollars at stake here, so it it, it makes uh, it makes sense if you're looking at the bottom line, I guess. But uh, doesn't make a lot of sense as far as common sense is concerned. What do you think, Ash? Yeah, they make billions of dollars uh, with indemnity. I mean, how how yeah. amazing is yeah. that? I mean, if you uh, or I want to make a product, uh, we're we're subject to you know liability if that product ends up hurting people somehow these companies are not in that position they can hurt people they can kill people they can uh propagandize to people they own what like 80 percent of the advertising not moderna specifically i believe it's uh, pfizer or big pharma as a whole someone have to fact check me up 80 percent of fox's advertising revenue this is why we don't hear these types of discussions on Fox very often. And if we do, they're very right. watered down, very milk toast. And, yeah. you know, I would like to jump in on the, um, the, the Vax opponents celebrating. I want part of that. I'm, I'm a, I'm definitely a Vax opponent and I am celebrating for Djokovic. I think that's awesome. I'm not really a tennis guy or anything, but, uh, he has proven that being, uh, hesitant to accept pandemic industrial complex propaganda is actually a safe 
effective and maybe necessary maneuver for someone to make if they want to have a a career, if they want to have a life, if they want to have health. Uh, so yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it that he won at Flushing Meadows this year after being demonized and um, you know depersoned. He he's one of those people that has escape velocity though. You know he's he's so famous at what he does and so good at what he does. Yeah, you can't cancel that guy. So uh, I think it's wonderful. This is absolute um, awesomeness. And and for them, Ruckus, for them to talk about uh, spreading deception and distrust, well, how disingenuous is that? I mean, who's the main perpetrator of that? That would be our politicians, uh, global government, NGOs, the media, and most importantly, the mass media cartel. Those are the people that are sowing deception and distrust along this topic and we're going to uh talk with um dr naomi wolf also uh coming yeah, pretty we've soon got, th here. this is th she's got a this lot is actually a this. this is actually a perfect perfect uh headline story ruckus for for the show today because not only do we have naomi wolf and she's wonderful but we're also going to speak to janine Yunus, and janine Yunus has been on this case since 2021 suing uh, for censorship um, and censorship uh, in, as far as she's concerned uh, concerning COVID and the, and all of the, the BS that, that we've now uncovered uh, in the, in the years uh, subsequently from the, from the initial lockdowns, but she'll have a lot to say about that. And then Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger are out today with another massive trove of uh, I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later, but uh, th they say that this, they're calling it the censorship industrial complex. I read that and I immediately thought of you, Hesher. I said, that sounds like a Hesher, uh, a, a Hesher quote, but that's Schellenberger and Taibbi. And they're saying what they have uncovered as far as censorship from big government through big tech, through big pharma, through big, big everything um, will curl your toes. It's bigger than Twitter gate and the Facebook files, they say. So this has been going on for some time now, and the American people are waking up to it. And I pray God they don't wake up. They haven't woken up to it too late because it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely on top of mind, uh, given today's shows and our guests. So it's going to be good. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Ruckus. Uh, thank you very much for bringing us this report and uh, getting us all set up to lead into Dr. Naomi Wolf, who'll be joining us next right here on State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. You should hear what George Eliason is talking about. Donald Trump's wolves. Now, we've talked about the Colorado case, the 14th Amendment case, and the judge has denied uh, the motion to dismiss. Now, if you don't remember, the suit cites the 14th Amendment clause banning those who participate or assist in the insurrection from taking office. And they're making this legal argument based on Trump's actions before and on January 6th. And when they claim that thousands of his supporters were creating an act of sedition at the Capitol. During January 6th, um, Trump actually offered to call the National Guard in. He told the protesters to keep things peaceful. And this is all public knowledge. This isn't a political action. They're trying to control, once again, who can run for the office of president and who cannot. War of the Worlds with George Eliason on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Affordable housing. We can build that. 
Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant, ENT. Have we not learned our lessons yet about cancel culture? Apparently not, as we keep seeing cries for cancellation over so-called disinformation. Even from mainstream conservatives in some cases these days, the trend seems to just be ramping up, and the powers that be are certainly exploiting the fervor for cancellation. Uh, one person showing their derangement syndrome over being big mad at anti-vaxxers such a disingenuous term in 2023, isn't it? Is a person by the name of Naomi Klein, who recently wrote a book called Doppelganger, A Trip into the Mirror World. Ooh, sounds like some Alice in Wonderland stuff. But uh, reading from an article analyzing the book by Jeffrey Tucker on Epoch Times, he says, quote, the book doesn't have much in the way of argument in it. From what I can tell, it's a long, pathological, intensely obsessive, yammering, rambling pile of blather, all designed toward one end and one end only, to shine a light on a person she despises because sometimes people confuse the author with her. That person is the famed author and mighty opponent of the fascistic biosecurity state, Dr. Naomi Wolf. Dr. Wolf joins us now. Dr. Wolf, thank you for joining us on State of the Nation. What happened to Naomi Klein that made her so upset she wrote an entire book that, I don't know, ostensibly it looks like it's aimed at canceling you uh, and attacking your character. What happened here? Yet again, um, I mean, yet again, canceling may have been, you know, my bio on social media says, like deplatformed eight times and still write. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I... I'm so sad to even address this question because I really tried since her book came out to ignore it and to take the high road and not get drawn into a cat fight um, because we're both better than that. Uh, but un unfortunately, um, two things happened that led me to uh, speak and they answered the question, possibly what happened to her. And for people who don't know her work, she was a really distinguished intellectual um, on the left. And she wrote two important books, at least one called No Logo and one called, um, help me out here. <laughs> no oh. Logo, Shock Doctrine. Thank you. Shock Doctrine. Uh, shock and, doctrine, and yeah. It's, it's so ironic because Shock Doctrine's thesis is exactly what's been happening for the last three years. Her, She was the first um, kind of public intellectual to make the case that 
capitalism loves a good crisis and that bad actors find opportunities to make money when horrible things happen, um, which, you know, witnessed the last three years. So I was, uh, uh, you know, people, I didn't want to read it. I, I didn't want to address it, but reporters keep calling me with very disturbing questions about my her her claims that I said things that I didn't say. Uh, and then my husband read it and he's my security consultant because I, I married him after he made my stalker in 2014 go away. I was getting death threats and he, you know, said she's not a physical threat to me, but the, just the, 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 the articles she's coming out with that cross my feed about me are concerning to me as someone who has had stalkers. I don't think, again, she's a threat to me, but, you know, on the front page of the New York Times or the op-ed page, she she ruminates about doing violence to doppelgangers or about, you know, killing doppelgangers. And she identifies me as her doppelganger, meaning double, which is deranged because we're totally separate people with separate interests. We don't look the same, et cetera. Um, even that I could disregard. The New York Times, though, ran a commissioned piece of art with her story, which appears to show two wolves being strangled with blood coming out of their mouths. So I didn't like that one bit. And it's it's kind of threatening. And then leaving all of that aside, then I found that without much digging, that her husband, uh, an activist and um, someone who ran for office as a Marxist in Canada named Avi Lewis, um, right about when Ms. Klein was turning in her book for publication, he got a con he got what looks like a contract with um a campaign called Pharmacare Now and has been spending the last six months or so as Ms. Klein has been on every major news outlet that used to have me as columnists or has me as a have me as a commentator till I went up against big pharma and was deplatformed in 2021. Um, but but she's been on every major legacy news outlet attacking me and discrediting, seeking to discredit me. And I'm doing work on what's wrong with the mRNA vaccines and how dangerous they are, along with my 3,250 doctors and scientists who are going through the Pfizer documents. So while she's attacking me, her husband is convening town halls and roundtables across Canada for Pharmacare Now. And Pharmacare Now is the boondoggle to end all boondoggles for the pharmaceutical industry because it would give pharmaceutical big companies in Canada one client, the government of Canada, to uh, cover the $42 billion worth of pharmaceuticals that Canadians take every year. And it would take all the competition out of the marketplace. You know, they don't have to compete. They don't have to make a good product. And, and Canadian taxpayers would underwrite it forever. Um, so that's what her husband is, is advocating for. And that's not all. Her father-in-law, I mean, this is small change compared to the pharma money flowing to her father-in-law. So her father-in-law, Avi Lewis's dad, Stephen Lewis, is a very distinguished Marxist politician slash diplomat in Canada. He was the UN, the ambassador to the UN for Canada. Subsequent to that, he founded um, AIDS nonprofits whose mission was to bring vaccines to Africa uh, and especially HIV vaccines. Um, 
who underwrote that, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars? Who owns the patents for the HIV vaccines? Dr. Anthony Fauci. And in fact, one of the uh, nonprofits on whose board Stephen Lewis now sits got a $25 million grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for vaccines. It's called like the International Vaccine <laughs> Consortium. So, and then he's in the social pages in Canada at galas with Bill Gates, who, as we all know, is heavily invested in the mRNA vaccines as well as uh, other vaccines. Um, it is celebrating joyfully the multi-hundred million dollar investment of Bill Gates in vaccines. So that's the pharma money that's been flowing wow. for two generations ar around Naomi Klein into the you know, households of her extended so, family, possibly her own household. So to say she has a vested interest might even be an understatement in this case. Thanks for outlining that. That really gives a lot of context to what you're dealing with here. And you're right. I don't like the sound of it. It sounds somewhat threatening. It would be probably in that gray area of difficult to prove or make a report on. But yeah, I don't really like the look of that. Um, we're get, we got a headline inbound here. Hold the line. We'll pick up right here on the other side of this brief message from today's News Talk TNT Radio. What station is this? Station. Ladies and gentlemen, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Negotiators are pushing Israel and Hamas to extend their current ceasefire beyond the fourth and final day originally agreed upon on Monday. The French government has issued a plea against vigilantism in the wake of the slaying of a teenager in rural France by a group reported to have shouted stab white people. Two Chinese fighter jets were monitored orbiting a Philippine aircraft participating in patrols with Australia in the South China Sea, but did not cause any untoward incident, Manila said on Sunday. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Okay, we're back with State of the Nation. Our guest today, our first guest today, Naomi Wolf. Naomi, thank you for uh, for joining us. Steve Hook here. Um, I, I, first of all, I, I'm, if she's such a huge intellectual, I'm wondering why she doesn't understand what the definition of doppelganger is. Uh, you guys share a first name. That's about it. Uh, you guys look nothing alike. And she has become what she advocated against. Uh, and just so we're clear, this has nothing to do with free market capitalism. This is crony capitalism, big government capitalism. This is a uh, uh, big, big media capitalism, big pharma capitalism. This is just basically pay to play say what we want and we're gonna we're gonna really line your pockets and by the way we'll help you uh destroy the people that uh th that speak down about every about you and anything else she sounds like she has some kind of a, a, a psychological issue i don't want to get into that but i will get into this this whole big pharma cabal that if you hesher and i've discussed this many times uh dr wolf over the if you would have told me five years ago that this was possible, I would have said you are you have got to loosen that tinfoil hat. But it's become it has become abundantly clear that there are hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars here at stake. And the thought of free market capitalism is just old hat to these folks. They don't give a rip about that. And they're certainly not about uh uh, any type of representative form of government, are they? This is all about 
pure greed and pure just absolute control power is it not certainly and um this is now my second book I've written about exactly what you're describing. I wrote a book called The Bodies of Others uh, two years ago about just that, about how the pandemic was an opportunity for a handful of bad actors that your audience is probably quite familiar with by now, including the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, China, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, other NGOs to seize control of the world, like literally the world. And I, I, I agree with you. Like, Five years ago, that would have been a crazy thing to say, stop reading science fiction. But literally anyone who knows what the WHO treaty does, which dissolves the sovereignty of every signatory and creates basically a one world government run by, you know, public health interests, um, knows that that's actually correct. And it it is a much bigger picture because it was under the guise of a public health emergency that um, massive amounts of, of resources and money and assets were transferred from the middle classes, the working classes, to a handful of oligarchs in, in this country and around the world. Um, businesses crushed, mom and pop businesses crushed, small landlords who had that one rental property had to sell it, you know, fire sale prices after they were told they couldn't collect rent for six months, and at least in my state. Um, people forced to stay home, people for, you know, forced out of their jobs, uh, women leaving the workforce to look after children chained to computers at home. I mean, it goes on and on. And it was it, it, not to mention, right, the fact that, and I'm CEO of a digital technology company, so I really understand the economics here. When you lock people in their homes for 14 months, all those little main street stores die, but the digital sites like Amazon and Etsy and, you know, Walmart delivering, uh, you know, they thrive, you know, the, the digital grocery delivery thrives, right? And these are all Silicon Valley tech companies, essentially. Um, so, and that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Like those companies it gained 23% net revenue. Well, you know, the mom and pop shops just died. The little restaurants and bars just died. Uh, and those are just some examples. You know, this boondoggle is, is another example, but basically your colleague is exactly right. And you're exactly right that why should these, these people, the richest of the rich, and I, I, these, this was my world, you know, until June of 2021, when I got deplatformed for calling attention to women having menstrual damage from the mRNA vaccines. And now I'm a non-person in that world. And my book, the, the Facing the Beast is about that. Uh, but but it's also about what you're describing. The, they, the richest of the rich, the most powerful of the most powerful have realized you don't have to run the risks of capitalism. Just, you know, ch change the rules so that you don't have free markets you don't have free assembly. You know, you people can't go where they want to go. They can't buy what they want to buy. Soon it's a social credit system, you know, the central bank digital currency. They figured out that if you take away people's rights and choice, you can make buckets of cash um, and also lie to them and propagandize them and target, you know, use all that money you're making to target the dissidents who try to raise um, some objections. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. We just keep seeing these tactics and they're, they're, you know, this is a good time to have this conversation um, because we're starting to see the Chinese COVID propaganda start to come back or, you know, something similar to it. And uh, we cannot ignore that. Um, dailyclout.io is Dr. Naomi Wolf's website. 
the bodies of others, the new authoritarians, COVID-19, and the war against the human. And your new book coming out is called what again? Facing the Beast, uh, Courage, Faith, and Resistance in a New Dark Age. It tells this story. Excellent. Excellent. Thank and that will be available. It's yes, now. It's out. Yes. 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 Everyone All right. Can- yeah. 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 Well, good. That's what we need. We need a little bit of optimism right now, especially in the face of what you were just talking about this WHO, you know, international pandemic treaty or whatever they're going to finally end up calling it. This needs to be stopped. We can't have this. We don't have our country and you don't have your country if this thing goes through. So uh, it's time to get active on that. Follow Dr. Naomi Wolf again over at dailyclout.io. And thank you, Dr. Wolf, for joining us here. We'll look forward to having you back on again. Stay safe, best of luck, and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wolf. All right, you're listening to State of the Nation and watching us on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Last week, Donald Trump took to Truth Social to spell out why he believes it's imperative that voters pull the lever for him over Joe Biden in a little less than a year from now. The stakes in this election could not be higher. Next November, you have a choice between war, poverty, and weakness under crooked Joe Biden, or peace, prosperity, and strength under President Donald J. Trump. Just three years ago, our economy was booming, the world was safe, and America was strong. And now? Under crooked Joe Biden, the economy is in a shambles and the world is going up in flames. Real incomes have gone down by $7,400 per family. Under crooked Joe, gas prices are four, five, six, and $7 a gallon. Cumulative inflation is nearly 20%, and mortgage rates are pushing a brutal 7%, 8%, 9%, 10%, and you can't get the money. And that's not the worst part. We have war in Europe, we have wars in the Middle East, and we are stumbling into World War III. That's what's going to happen with this leadership because they don't know what they're doing. The contrast could not be more stark. And all of what you just heard couldn't be more true. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio Vision. She was reading at a second grade level in kindergarten. Pod four swimming before she was seven. Finally convinced mom to get her ears pierced in the third grade. Came in second at her fifth grade spelling bee. Drill team in the seventh. And with one stroke of the keyboard. One click of the mouse. It's gone. It's gone. a cyber tip today interviews news and views you're listening to state of the nation on today's news talk tnt radio all right california republican minority senate leader brian jones is pushing to stop what california republicans are referring to as hard work the hard work utility tax now this is an income-based billing effort it not only smacks of pure socialism come marxism But it also, as socialism and Marxism is everywhere, overly burdensome to hardworking Californians who are already having a tough enough time making ends meet. And first of all, we welcome you, uh, Senator Brian Jones, uh, to the program. Welcome to State of the Nation. It's so good to see you again. I want to read a uh, yeah, I want to read a snippet of a letter uh, that uh, that you put together for Senator or for Governor Gavin Newsom. 
Just a snippet here. It says, we're all supportive of efforts to stabilize and improve the safety of the grid and lower electricity rates for Californians. However, implementing a structured fixed charge system that diminishes individual responsibility and usage in favor of an identity subsidization, uh, subsidization is not, in our public opinion, the or in our opinion, the answer. More fees are not a solution to an already ridiculously high utility bills. Uh, right. I'm happy to I'm happy to see, uh, Senator, that you you got 23 Democrats on board. Why don't you explain what Newsom is trying and and some of the Democrats in California trying to push through, and just how absurd it is on its face? Well, it's pretty incredible that we've gotten 23 Democrats on board with us. That 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 is an amazing feat in itself, and I think that goes to speak to the relationships that I I've been building across that with my colleagues, but my entire Senate caucus. Uh, Republican uh, caucus, the relationships that they're building with their Democrat, all of our Democrat colleagues as well. Keeping in mind that uh, in when this bill was passed, many of those Democrats probably actually voted for the bill originally, but this element was uh, stuck into a budget, what we call a budget trailer bill, which are passed very hurriedly at the end of session. Uh, and they probably didn't even see it, which is unfortunate that they didn't read the analysis that had this aspect of uh, the electrical rate charge in in a bill that had nothing to do with policy, by the way. And so it was snuck through at the end by the PUC, by the governor. Finally, the day uh, light of day came on this uh, proposal. We've been objecting to it from the beginning. Uh, we've always thought that this was a bad idea. That's why we engaged on it earlier this year, uh, bringing it to the attention of not just our Democratic colleagues, but a lot of the advocates uh, in in California are now paying attention to this as well. And that's how we were able to get these 23 Democrats uh, to come on board with us. Yeah, well, it's sure, it, it, sure glad ahead, that happened, aren't you, Steve? I mean, because uh, obviously yeah. you're you're somewhat outnumbered there. So, you know, I, right. I understand that you have to go to, you know, greater lengths than some states to actually have that kind of, you know, across the aisle cooperation. But this is a crazy proposal. Stephen was saying that you know it's a it's a socialist Marxist idea that you're going to have electric rates based on your income level. That's completely un unsustainable. The electric companies don't like it either, mostly because they don't want to be dealing with people's private information. How much are you making? How much are you earning? What is your tax rate? Uh, how are we going to assign you the level of uh, charge? that is appropriate for your income level. The, the the electric companies aren't set up for that. And they rightfully don't want to be set up for that and dealing with people's private uh, income uh, information and, and holding that information because that's dangerous, uh, you know, for everybody to have that information out there uh, for um, cyber crimes or whatever. And so we're going to continue working on this. We're going to keep pushing on this. That's the reason for writing the letter to the governor is we want him to engage on this. And finally, let's do away with this income-based charge and get back to actually doing the things that are going to shore up the grid. The electrical grid in California is in, is, is in bad shape. And the majority party and the governor are doing everything except what we need to be doing, which is making more electrical generation in California, whether that's nuclear, natural gas, or however we're going to uphold the grid, we need to be doing those things first. Yeah, well, it sure as hell isn't going to be wind farms and mirrors in the desert, uh, right. regardless of what they say. 
uh, yeah, we're we're finding that those just aren't reliable 24 hours a day, uh, 365 days a year. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's it's almost like common sense. Uh, well, and then let me add, the latest I, the latest great proposal by the uh, Democrats in the legislature in California is to do the offshore wind off of Northern California, and we're already seeing that that's not working on the East Coast. Uh, New Jersey's running into all kinds of problems with their offshore wind. Yet uh, here in California, we're going to keep pushing that idea rather than learn from the lessons from the East Coast. I'm hoping that before we actually put uh, infrastructure into the water, we will take those lessons serious. Yeah, well, I'm 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 in New Jersey. In fact, I'm about a mile away from the from the shore. So I, I know all about this. Uh, the public outcry here is rather intense. Uh, I live in what would have to be called the reddest part of the state, the Jersey Shore, Central Jersey. Uh, shockingly, it's 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 very conservative where I live. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, but Trenton kind of runs the show and we've got a governor that is uh, I, I don't know. He he's right up there with 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 Newsom as far as not giving a rip what his constituents really think. This seems to me, Senator, more than anything else, just an absolute flagrant power grab, and a we don't give a rip what you think. Now I don't blame the utility company for saying we don't want to be any part of this, but right. it's so it's so antithetical to who we are. As a nation, well, to, to even, a, to yeah, even let's, do this. let's be clear. It's a it's a power grab by the governor and the legislature to give the public utilities commission the authority to do this. And so, uh, you know, for your listeners that aren't familiar with uh, how the electrical system here in California is set up, we have a what's called the PUC, Public Utilities Commission, that is unelected bureaucrats appointed by the governor, and they oversee the entire operation of all the electrical uh, generation, distribution, usage, charges uh, by the private uh, electrical companies. And California's some some electric customers are under municipalities some are under private companies the private companies are completely regulated by this puc they can't make any decision regarding rates infrastructure construction anything without getting the puc approval so this is a power grab by the puc i want to make sure that that's very clear yeah senator i'm glad you brought up the puc because we did a, a report on the puc a week or two ago we were talking about the upcoming meetings where they were going to be looking at raising rates on everybody. And right. I saw just the other day that uh, that meeting uh, did come out with a decision, as you mentioned, unelected bureaucrats decided over there to increase <clears throat> rates by 13% starting January 1st of next year. So um, obviously we're already dealing with that. Californians already have to deal with a, a wholesale 13% increase. What happens if um, if this other idea is in place? Is it 13% increase and then every some people have to pay more on top of that? Like, how does the rubber meet the road here? Well, sure. I mean, those rates are the, the, the 13% is on the usage rates. And so you're the with the with the income level based charges, that's going to create a income based base charge, meaning you're going to be paying that same amount every month, and then your usage is on top of that. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to cause electrical rates to go up for the majority of Californians. 
And so, you know, one of the, the problems I have with the PUC specifically is it's a Sacramento, actually, I think they're headquartered in San Francisco. And the, the commission right now is made up of a bunch of governor's appointees from the wealthy appointees from the Bay Area that are just out of touch with everyday Californians. What does a wealthy uh, millionaire, billionaire commissioner in San Francisco know about my constituents in eastern San Diego County that I have some of the poorest parts of California and I and in my district I have some of the wealthiest parts of California but these people are out of touch with the everyday Californians that are driving 20 30 miles every single day to go to their job mom and dad are both working they've got kids in elementary school junior high high school they're trying to make ends meet with the cost of housing here the cost of gasoline here in California and now they want to th these electric charges don't affect them they're not going to feel it but my constituents are going to feel it and my uh republican colleagues constituents are going to feel it and finally my democrat colleagues are realizing you know what their constituents are going to feel it too we got to do something about it i the whole the whole idea of income-based billing to me i mean look <laughs> I'm not an it's, economist. It's unbelievable that anybody even came up with that idea in America. Is I mean that's, I, I, I think that's exactly what I was about to say. It, right. It's staggering, and, and California can't afford to lose a whole bunch more rich people. California no, loves to hail itself as the fourth largest economy in the world. Well, you know what? When you start seeing people peel out of that state and move to states like Texas, Florida, the Carolinas, or whatnot, California is not going to have that claim anymore. And then the next level of rich are going to get it in the neck. At some right. point, Californians are going to have to take on their own government. And thank God for you uh, trying to raise this. Uh, are people starting to figure this out? Obviously, 23 Democrats have figured it out. But what about the, main, I, I think, uh, the, the constituency? Yeah, I think so. We're, we're starting to see a, a big movement. Uh, I mean, let me tell you, we're starting to see a small movement that I hope will, by November, be a big movement of people just fed up with the way california has been ran for the last 40 years and there was an encouraging polling done last week that came out that the majority of californians are dissatisfied with the job that governor newsom's doing and they're dissatisfied with the job that the legislature is doing well that squarely falls on the supermajority. The supermajority, the Democratic supermajority in California is not working for the majority of Californians. And they're starting to figure that out. My job as minority leader next year is to uh, craft a message for my candidates and the seats that were being competitive to encourage Californians to make a different choice and give Republicans a bigger voice in Sacramento next year so that we can begin to move to begin to right the ship even more and be more effective than we already are, even as the super minority. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we see a lot of activism going on in California. Uh, like, for example, I follow the Freedom Angels. Uh, they do a lot of uh, health, uh, health sovereignty sort of activism on Capitol Hill there. There's definitely a lot going on. And, you know, Newsom's really, <laughs> Newsom's really kind of been, uh, uh, forgive the pun, but under fire for going uh, against the Supreme Court uh, with all their Second Amendment rulings. Uh, you know, uh, Bonta and New York Rifle and Pistol Association in particular. So, uh, yeah, people are definitely I'm seeing a big upsurge in um, Californians, you know, looking for more conservative uh, values over there for sure. I mean, I, I think it's definitely a, a swell. At, but your problem, as you pointed out, is these bureaucrats in places like the Bay Area 
and in some of the larger urban areas that we're up right. against, right? Yeah, that and that's exactly right. And, you know, one of the um, mistakes that the Democrats continue to make is organizations like you just mentioned, calling them right-wing Republican organizations. They're not right-wing Republican organizations. This is a groundswell of uh, constituents in California. They're just fed up with the way California is going, and they're starting to look for alternative ways uh, to where to place their vote on the governance of California. And again, that's why I'm hopeful that they will give us Republicans a chance to have a bigger voice in Sacramento and help uh, do bigger and better things for all of California. Yeah, it sounds to me like one of the first things that needs to be done is the PUC needs to be just completely dissolved. I mean, because that is... uh, uh, if they're going to if they're going to start the name calling uh, senator with oh these right. these organ these NGOs are all a bunch of rabid right wing MAGA extremists well right. I'd say this a PUC is a bunch of Marxist extremists on the other side I would like yes. to think yes. that California could kind of find a middle ground uh, where they're not being run by the extremes and God knows they're not run by the right wing extremists right now are they That's exactly correct and you know for everyday Californians. Uh, you know, California uh, citizens, residents, people that are trying to make California home are not nearly as left wing as the legislature is right now. And so we just need these centrist voters to come come back, make sure that they vote in November. Don't stay home. Vote for the Republican that's on the ballot so that we can help bring better balance to Sacramento. Yeah. Have absolutely. you gotten any response from the governor concerning this letter? Well, we just sent it to him. Uh, he, he, I have about a 50-50 rate of re, of uh, getting responses from him on things. And so when he does respond, it usually takes him a, a couple of days or a week. Uh, I would imagine we get some kind of response from him on this. Good, good. That's that's twice as much as the uh, response rate I get from him. So I'm glad you're there. <laughs> glad you're there doing that. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably glad he doesn't hear half the things I say about him too. But uh, look true. me up, Gavin. Well, he's It'll too busy going to China. He's not. He's not watching right. you guys show. He's on the plane to China. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's got basketball to play clearly. So right. you know he's yeah. he's doing important things for a shadow. He's campaign. got a campaign oh, for president. For God's sake, he's got right. a, he's got a he's got a prep for that Hannity uh, debate with DeSantis. <laughs> well, you know that's Californians are are kind of upset about that, uh, recognizing that uh, even though he says he's not running for president, like you said, uh, it looks like a shadow campaign. Californians want him to focus on California. It's not time for him to focus on anything national at this point. California has its own problems. We are not the example for the rest of uh, progressive America to follow or any America to follow. We got to get our house fixed first before he thinks about anything else. Here, here. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, going back to to this um, this this idea, this income based uh, sliding scale idea. If if this is actually enacted, I mean, it kind of smacks to me as something that would require a database, a database of, like you mentioned earlier, PII, personally identifiable information um, right. with regards to income. And I would not be surprised, uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm going too far, but I would not be surprised if there was a... Uh, a locale or even a, a racial marker that might end up in these databases when it comes to the sliding scale of, of power um, charges. So, 
is that not sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of a, an appropriate place for governments to keep databases on people's mm -hmm. income right. and their, uh, uh, you know, maybe racial class or social status. That's kind of smacks of like, I don't know, uh, 1940s to me somewhere, perhaps right. keeping or, records like or, this. Or 1984, you know, the, the book 1984. Yeah.